Welcome to More Than a Sign, where we talk to some of Milwaukee's most productive realtors, up-and-coming realtors, and those that work alongside us. However, rather than being a platform for shameful self-promotion, these are intimate discussions about the journey, the struggle, the fear, and ultimately, the personal growth along the way. At the end of the day, nobody really cares about what we do. All that really matters is who we are. Today, we're going to learn who Peter Stefaniak is. But before we do, let me tell you a few things about what Peter has done. So Peter and I were just chatting, and over the course of Peter's career, he has personally, not as a team, but personally sold in excess of 1,500 homes. That's just an amazing career, an amazing legacy, but no disrespect intended, Peter. Who really cares about that? Let's get to know Peter the man. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And I'm going to start this a little bit differently. And everybody that I've interviewed to date, I've known on some level, and I just know of you. Uh, your reputation precedes you. You and your family have a phenomenal reputation. You're synonymous with Milwaukee real estate. But it was really nice. You reached out in a very complimentary fashion and uh, about you know individual podcasts and the people that we focused on. And it really meant a lot to me. And I said, hey, we don't really know one another. How about if we do an interview? We met 10 minutes ago. And the first thing I said to you was, how are you related to Jean? Because when you meet Jean, you feel like you've known her forever. And I would say the same thing about you. It must be a family trait, but you just have a very kind of unassuming way about you. You're unbelievably personal personable, excuse me. And it's, it's really an incredible trait to have in this business. So while we've known each other for five minutes, it was a great five minutes. <laughs> and I look forward to everybody that knows you to hear uh, more about you and the people that don't know you to learn about Peter the Man. Thank you. Um, so unfortunately, there's no video, but I have to sh also share that you walk in looking like a million bucks in a, in a suit and tie. And we just don't see a lot of that in our business. Um, so before I take you all the way back, let's just talk about that for a second. I don't know, something that, uh, it's just me, that I think it's the right thing to do. I don't think we own professionalism. We don't own success. I think they're both rented. And I just feel that the rent is due every day. That for me to go on an appointment today, to meet with you, it's the right thing to do out of respect for my customer or client. I think I should be wearing a suit and tie. Well, it speaks volumes. And sadly, I'm in a, a jean shirt and casual pants. Um, and I started out looking like you and I ended up looking like this. And to be honest, I wouldn't want to walk into an appointment with looking the way that I look if you just walked out of that appointment before me. It does make a difference. I, I do think it's a sign of respect. And you are going to make me reevaluate my approach right now. So thank you. And we could all learn something from you um, that way. So let's go back. I mean, like I said, the, the Stefaniak name is synonymous with real estate. So kind of take us back. I grew up, uh, we as a family with 10 kids in our family. Uh, we grew up in West Dallas. And, you know, my dad was a very well-educated uh, white-collar guy. Mm -hmm. um, we could have lived, lived anywhere. But we lived, I guess, below our means. Because my father truly believed in higher education. Hmm. He sent us all to private schools, parochial grade schools, everyone in our family, private high schools. 
He sent us, paid all of our colleges. As long as you brought home good grades, <laughs> the bill was paid. And he was a big believer in that. He was, uh, had a PhD in real estate. He was a CPA. And he worked two jobs. He was a professor at UWM during the day. And at night, he was uh, you know, the financial guy for the old Wauwatosa Realty, which is now Shore West, mm -hmm. which ironically uh, was his brother-in-law, my uncle. Mm -hmm. So the Hornings, that I own, my mother's a Horning, okay. and the Horning family, as you all know, owns Shore West. Mm -hmm. And back in the 1950s, my late father and my uncle Eugene worked at the old Wauwatosa Realty, which is Shore West today. Mm -hmm. And in 1965, started the Stefaniak Real Estate Company. Sure. But again, growing up in West Dallas, we lived below our means so that we could higher education. Mm -hmm. And that was really big with my dad. Fantastic. I'm sure you passed that along. So when did you enter the business? I obtained my license shortly after high school. Okay. I uh, graduated from high school in from Pius in 1975, went on to college, <laughs> was not the best student. Sure. And, and it wasn't because maybe a lack of knowledge is a lack of effort on my part. Mm -hmm. And I obtained my license in 1977. And when I got that first commission check, mm -hmm. I was like, wow. Right. And yeah. I never looked back. Mm -hmm. And against my father's wishes, I didn't finish college. Mm -hmm. And I just started selling real estate. And back then, you would run with buyers because it was the fastest way to a commission check. Mm -hmm. But it didn't take me long to realize listing was the name of the game. Sure. And so within a few short years, that was my focus. I became a listing agent. I, that's all I spent my time chasing for sale by owners, expired listings. It was not uncommon for me to call the expired listings at seven o'clock in the morning. Hmm. I'd wake people up sure, and they'd say, hey, <laughs> hey pal, it's seven o'clock in the morning. Right. And I'd say, I'm in my office. I'm dressed for success. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, where do you think your current listing agent is? Right. And you already gotten a run in by seven in the morning. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's a phenomenal approach and that's lost on a lot of people. So you're working in the family business. Who was in the, who else was in the business then? And what was that like? Um, well, at the time, obviously, uh, uh, a number of our cousins, the Hornings, mm -hmm. uh, were running uh, the old Wabatosa Realty today, Shore West. My late father, uh, my uncle was in the business. And at that time, just one of my older sisters, my sister, Beth. Okay. I take that back. No, I think I started before Beth. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then kind of give us a little overview of the years that follow that. Well, fortunately, I had some success selling. And about the mid-1980s, they promoted me, or what I thought was a promotion, it was to an office manager. Mm -hmm. And I managed one of their offices for about three years or so. And it quickly came to me that that was not the right position for me, that I mm -hmm. liked being on the street. I liked meeting the people. And the truth of the matter is, that's where the money is. Right. <laughs> and so I quickly went back into sales. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a few of our brothers and sisters followed. Beth uh, was in the business. Uh, my little sister, Jean, mm -hmm. uh, joined the business. Uh, my cousin, Peter M., uh, quickly came on. Mm -hmm. So we had quite a few family members in the business. And uh, we had a great run in the late 1990s. Um, we, as the Children were approached numerous times to buy the business. We weren't interested at that mm -hmm. time because we didn't care for the, the business model. Mm. In other words, in my opinion, it was a traditional old line real estate firm. And I didn't care for that business model. So we didn't buy it. And with our blessing, they sold it off. Mm -hmm. 
We stayed there for the required 18 months, and then we reopened as the Stefaniak Group. Myself, my two sisters, Beth and Jane, and my cousin Peter M., Mm. as a boutique company. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hired an, an office manager to run the office, to pay the bills, to order titles so that we could be on the street listing property. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've never looked back. Sure. Yeah, it's a great story. So there are two things that I think make you interesting, um, you and your family. Number one, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're a very competitive guy, but not at the expense of others. Let's talk about how athletics as a young man and as a grown man have affected your life and affected your business. And then let's talk later about what you and your family have given back to the industry. I think those are two great topics that we can cover. So let's start with young Peter and uh, sports was a big, a big thing for you. Yes. Growing up, I played uh, football, you know, baseball, basketball, whatever the season was with all the kids in the neighborhood, you know, played for the local schools, played high school football and baseball. And and, you know, competed on a regular basis. It was, it was fun. It was in my blood. It's just what I did. Mm-hmm. I also think that that really helped me in the sales field because I truly believe that you can't teach motivation. You can't teach people. In other words, if they don't have fire in the belly, mm-hmm. they're probably just not going to make it in the competitive sales world. For sure. And you can't teach that. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe people with athletic backgrounds have that. They've got that competitive nature. They've got that desire mm-hmm. to win. They've got that desire to compete. Mm-hmm. And that makes a world of difference. For example, still to this day, I'm 65 years old, and uh, I love to compete for listings. Mm-hmm. I still got the fire. I love the chase. I love the hunt. Mm-hmm. I love my competition. I truly do. I have a lot of fun with them. Mm-hmm. And I don't worry about my competition. I like to let my competition worry about me. You know, you've you got to set the pace. And I think that's an athletic background. Mm-hmm. And now as an older adult, I still run. I run 25 miles a week. Mm-hmm. I'm an avid golfer. I go to the gym three days a week. Uh, the days that I don't I run four days a week, I go to the gym three days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh in my adult life, I've run 35 marathons, four Boston marathons. Hmm. Um, I compete now nationally in, in senior Olympics uh, running races, uh, but just like to believe keeps me young, keeps me healthy. What were those guys like? Amazing. I just got back from the National Senior Games in Florida, and my competition was, <laughs> it was fierce. Mm-hmm. These guys, you know, had to be former Division One college runners. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So... I'm excited to share something that we, we probably both heard, but I want to get your take on it as an athlete and as a, as a person who's made a career in sales, a successful career. And that's something Giannis said, and it might have been last year, but he said something that just knocked me off my feet. And I might not get it perfect, but I'm going to do my best. So he said, if you're looking back at what you've done, that's ego. Anything that is looking back is all ego. If you're looking forward, it's pride. Your pride is driving you. And anything you focus on today is humility. And I love that. I thought that was so terrific. You know, that, that is a very valid point. It's sort of like looking back, you know, the, uh, the rearview mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield. Right. Mm-hmm. Need to keep moving forward. Right. You know, what's the next goal? What's my next challenge? Mm-hmm. And somebody that is calling people at seven in the morning for sale by owners, which you shared, that is somebody that is practicing humility. That's not ego. That's not what I did. It's what am I doing today 
to make a difference. This is a today business, right? It truly is. You know, I'm, I'm as good as my last sales call. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm a, you look around the industry and, you know, maybe call them, there's big shots and there's little shots. And what's the difference? Mm -hmm. I think the supposed big shots, they really are little shots, but they take more shots. Right. They go on, make more sales calls. Mm -hmm. They go on more appointments. And as a result, they become smoother. They become more comfortable. They flow with their presentation. Mm -hmm. And as a result, success starts to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just curious. Let's just talk for another minute about this senior event before we move on. So what was the level of competition? Like, give me, give me some concrete examples of, like, what did you participate in? I ran uh, the half-mile race okay. uh, there at the senior uh, games. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 65 years old. Mm -hmm. I ran my half-mile in two minutes and 53 seconds. Yeah, I was very happy with that's that. That's a blur, right? Seven, seven other runners in my age group beat me. Yeah. So you come home and say, well, I took eighth place. Doesn't sound so good. But when you look at that level of competition, I mean, these are elite runners. Mm -hmm. I ran also the 1500, mm -hmm. which is just short of one mile. I ran six minutes and six seconds. Mm -hmm. I was thrilled with that time. Right. Amazing. I, again, I was beat by seven other runners. Mm -hmm. But if you take a step back, how many of the people that you ran with as a young man do you think are running like you do today? Probably none of them, right? Probably not. But see, when I was uh, in high school, I never ran track. Mm. I didn't run cross country. Yeah. I played football and baseball. Sure. I just sort of... But for me, working out's been a way of life. Mm -hmm. So I've always you know, jogged or played basketball. and Right. For some reason, I although I always felt, even as a young guy, that I had more endurance mm -hmm. than my friends. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in the energy that we bring to people, right? So if through your force of will, you create these opportunities to go meet with people, and as long as you've been in the business, I'm sure you meet with lots of people that you know and have transacted with many times, but you're also meeting with people that you've never met before. And I'm a firm believer that the energy that we bring is a intangible advantage that people don't realize. And if you don't treat yourself well and you don't feel well and you don't take care of yourself, there's an energy that you bring that um, is people don't necessarily realize that, but there's a certain confidence there's a certain stature that feeling good and taking care of yourself and competing, you know, brings to the table. And I agree with you totally. Uh, you know, as a fellow runner, that, you know, going out for a couple of miles can really clear your head. Mm -hmm. Gives you time to think, uh, you know, about your day or a challenge or an issue that we have to deal with. And so by being physically fit, mm -hmm. I feel I can work longer. I would go back and say this, that I have a lot of competition. I like my competition. My competition maybe have a better education than I have. Strong possibility. They may be smarter than I am. Very strong possibility there. All right. <laughs> they can't outwork me. Sure. You just can't outwork me. You know, I, I am physically fit, and I know even at my age, mm -hmm. I can work smarter, and, and I can be more efficient, and I'm, I'm an extremely competitive guy, and yeah. I love the competition of this business. Right. So as a competitive, goal-oriented guy, how old do you want to live to, and what do you want that to look like? Good question. You know, a lot of my friends, now being 65, are retired, and mm -hmm. a lot of them ask me, Pete, when are you going to retire? 
And uh, just the other day I had this conversation and I told a good friend of mine, I says, I'm shooting that I'm going to work till I'm 80. Nice. How long I'll live? I guess I don't know that we have that number. Mm -hmm. But I still foresee myself running, working out, competing, staying physically fit. That's just my lifestyle. Sure. It's my way of life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, bottom line, I'm going to work till I'm 80. I'm sure your competitors aren't thrilled to hear another 15 years of... Well, you know, a lot, and, and a lot of my good competitors, a lot of great guys out there, you know, mm -hmm. the Dale Marciniaks, et cetera, you know, they have retired mm -hmm. and I, I compete with their kids. Right. So I know, isn't that funny? So um, there's an expression that the only person that wants to live to 100 is a 99-year-old, but I think that at the pace you're going, you, you'll get there, right? Well, thank you. That's, yeah. And, you know, again, I don't have that number. I never really thought about it, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have this right, that, that, that you have been very involved with the GMAR past president. Is that correct? Correct. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. I, I know that's just, I think, one thing that we do in our family that's expected, that if you're going to come into, you know, to the family firm, we expect you to be productive. Uh, we expect you to be professional. We expect you to be honest. I mean, I, I, two of my children are now in the business. Courtney, the actually uh, most recent past president of the uh, Board of Realtors, and my son, Ryan. A uh, couple of requirements. A, you have to go finish college. Mm -hmm. You have to come with a college degree before you can go to real estate school and get that license. I expect you to be pr productive. I expect honesty. Um, I also expect you to give back to the industry that has been very good to me and our family. Mm -hmm. And as a result, everyone in our family has served in some capacity. Uh, my late father served uh, for the National Association of Realtors. Hmm. Um, they sort of leaned on him for his economic forecast. Uh, my uncle, Eugene, was a past president of the Board of Realtors. My cousin, Pete, Peter Rams, past president, Board of Realtors. Uh, my sister, Beth, served as uh, on the Board of Directors and various committees on the Board of Realtors. I'm a past president of the board. My little sister, Jean, mm -hmm. recent past president of the Wisconsin Realtors Association. And mm -hmm. as I mentioned, my daughter, Courtney, just finished up as the president of the Board of Realtors. And again, we just, we just think it's the right thing to do, mm -hmm. to give back yeah. to the industry that's been so good to us. What a legacy. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, my son, Ryan, not to leave him out, he's been serving on the uh, Ethics Committee and the Professional Standards Committee. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully he'll be... Uh, running for the board of directors in the near future. Sure. Boy, how proud would your father and uncle have been, right, to see? I think uh, so. Um, you know, to, to see all of us, uh, I think, uh, being not only productive realtors, not just holding a real estate license. I mean, getting out and serving the community, you know, being an asset to the community mm -hmm. and also finding time to give back to the industry. So I was at the Inman conference a few weeks ago, and one of the things that they shared was that, there are approximately a million, let's call it almost a million and a half realtors right now. And there are also close to that amount of people in real estate school. I mean, that is astounding. When, when you look at our industry, how has it changed during kind of your stewardship? And then let's talk a little bit about the future. But let's start with, okay. how's it changed? I guess, uh, how's it changed? Keep in mind, I started in 1977. All right. Pre-fax machine, pre-email, pre-all of that. There was no voicemail. There was no cell phones. Mm -hmm. There were no car phones and those bag phones came out about the mid-1980s. Right. There were no lockboxes. MLS were books that were printed every two weeks. Mm -hmm. 
So you never knew how long a property was on the market. There wasn't days on market in them, those old books. You had to know MLS numbers and be able to judge and say, that's an old MLS number. That house has been for sale for four months. Mm. See, for the young realtors out there now, that homes are selling in 24 hours, mm -hmm. 48 hours, back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for it to take three, four months. Mm -hmm. Or actually in the early 1980s, when interest rates were up at 19%, I could have a listing for two years. Hmm. That wouldn't be uncommon. If you got one showing a month, you were doing good. Right. You know, it was a different world there. Mm -hmm. So a lot has changed. I believe it has changed for the good. Um, you know, technology has made things more efficient. And you talk about, you know, the million and a half people, another million people in real estate school. I think that's great. When I look back, I think it was a number maybe just about 10 years ago. The average age of a real estate agent across the United States was 57 years old. Mm. So it's good to see this, shall we say, young blood, new mm -hmm. blood get into the industry. Mm -hmm. So decades ago, the realtor was kind of the gatekeeper. Somebody would call you and say, hey, Pete, um, I think I'd like to buy a home in Franklin. What's out there? I mean, their only knowledge was the postage stamp sized photos that may or may not still be available in the back of a magazine or the classifieds, right? So we went from kind of the gatekeepers to a different role, right? Because now buyers have access to what's on the market, analysis in terms of what it's worth, history in terms of what it's sold for in the past. It's a different business, isn't it? It is, although I still think they, that buyer, that seller leans on you for your knowledge, your expertise, your experience, mm -hmm. uh, because there are so many markets within the market mm -hmm. that you know, a certain neighborhood within a community can get more money than the same home in that community in a different neighborhood and so on. There's so much to know, even the ins and outs with financing, different home inspectors, different appraisers that uh, they lean on us for our knowledge, our expertise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think the near term looks like? The market? I mean, it, it's impossible to what, predict, what, but what do you think? What I have learned, because I've, I've worked through, call it two real estate crashes, okay. uh, the early 1980s, Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously, two thousand, you know, seven, two thousand eight, and uh, what I do have to share with you about that, I loved working, two thousand nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Those are great markets to be a realtor, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, every home seller needed you and listened to you, mm -hmm. and uh, those. I mean, I had a lot of. Realtors, I, you know what, here would be crying the blues at, oh, my goodness, you know, all this inventory, we don't have any buyers. And it's, oh, my goodness, this is a great time. And I, I truly feel that in the marketplace, there's always something missing that justifies our existence. Whether today it's a lack of inventory or a lack of buyers, you know, 2008 through 2011 or so, a lack of money in the early 1980s. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's something there that, that justifies our existence. Uh, what I have learned is not to predict. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I believe housing is the backbone of America. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's everybody's dream, you know, to own their own home. And so it's going to continue to grow and evolve. And uh, 
I truly believe there's there's going to be a need and exist for for good professional uh, realtors, people who are committed to being a true uh, salesperson. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you made a great point that there's always a shortage of something, right? Shortage of buyers, shortage of sellers, shortage of money, and our job is to advocate on behalf of our clients to navigate that environment, to listen, and to help people make good lifelong decisions because life goes on despite whatever's going on in the economy, right? It's so true. And you made a good point here that we as salespeople need to listen. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of salespeople go out there and think they have to talk, 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 talk to make a good presentation. Mm -hmm. I think I need to ask questions and listen. So I know best how to help that home seller. Mm -hmm. What is their motive? Where do they want to get to? And what's their timeline? Mm -hmm. And if I listen, I'm best prepared to help them. And I don't think we sell real estate. I think we sell service. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between a capital asset service or just service. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I believe I sell service. Mm -hmm. And if my service is top-notch, uh, professional, people are going to come back to me. Right. Okay, so I'm going to take this in a little different direction. So I think we both have an opportunity to meet with a lot of people in our industry, to mentor, give advice. Um, so I probably meet with somebody once a week that's either getting into the industry, in the industry, or has been in the industry for quite a while and they're trying to figure out what is my next move. And I'm always happy to meet with people like you are. But I have to tell you that recently all of these conversations end with, or, or I shouldn't say end with, gravitate towards balance and mental health and just thriving in a business that's a tough business. So I'd like to share something that I've been talking to people about, and then I'd love to hear your take because so many people in our business struggle because it's kind of like playing baseball, right? If you're a 250 batting a batter, you're hitting the ball a quarter of the time, you can have a career for 15 years. If you hit the ball a third of the time, you're in the Hall of Fame, right? And our business is much like that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, loss. There's a lot of setbacks. There are a lot of disappointments. One of the things that I've been sharing that's been helpful, and then I'd love your take, I've started to think about an actuary that works for an insurance company. So an actuary can tell you with unbelievable accuracy how many people are going to get sick in a given year, how many people are going to be disabled in a given year, how many people are going to pass away in a given year. They just can't tell you who. And insurance companies are very successful utilizing that data and being service-oriented. So here we are, and I like to use that analogy, the actuary analogy. So I go into every year and I say, hey, there's going to be one or two of my friends that are going to buy or sell with someone else. There are going to be a couple deals that were streaming along, that were pending, that blow up last minute. They're going to be people on my team that I adore that leave. All these things are going to happen. I just don't know who. And I think for me, when I go into the year that way and I say these things are going to happen, when they do, I say, oh, okay, that's who it was. And I really work hard not to suffer the loss. 
And I think this is a business where for every success, there's the counterpart. How do you personally deal with that? And what advice do you give kids or your kids or other people that are getting into the business about balance and perspective? Great point. A couple things. And, you know, balance is so key because when I was young in the business, I was working 60, 70 hours a, a week. And uh, one of the old timers pulled me over and says, Pete, you can't let this business control you. You got to start controlling your own business. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's so true. And we deal with a lot of rejection on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. That one out of four, or if I'm calling for sale by owners expired, I might only hit one or two out of 10. And those are pretty good numbers. Right. So we, we deal with a lot of rejection. Uh, I, I would say this, for a young person in the business, we as an industry are too caught up on how many units did we close this year? How much money did we make? And that's sort of you know where we focus. Mm -hmm. I would say stop focusing on your results and start monitoring your activities mm. and say, how many phone calls did you make today? How many appointments did you go on? Are you sending out mailers? What are you doing to create your business, to grow your business? Monitor your activities, not your results. Those results will follow. We don't have control over the results, but we have control over what we do. Ex exactly. Yeah. You know, so, and then the other thing, you know, with the, with the young people, I, I, I would share and I do that, you know, you got to take the high road. The view is better. Mm -hmm. You got to stay professional no matter what the situation is. Now, when I was young in the business, I could get away with it because there was no caller ID. Right. So if I, if I called up a for sale by owner and they hung up on me, I could call the next one. I hang up on them. And it's one for the good guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That approach is I wouldn't recommend. Sure. Uh, uh, I could tell you one true story that I remember when I was young in the business and uh, back then, besides making phone calls, we'd go out knocking on doors and subdivisions mm -hmm. to try to secure listings. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember... I was walking, working one side of the street. My sister was working the other side of the street. And I went to the front door, rang the doorbell, and, and this big burly guy answered the door. And I quickly said, I'm Pete Stefaniak with Stefaniak Realty. Who do you know wants to sell your house? And this guy slammed his door so hard, the front windows rattled. <laughs> right. You know, and I was this young agent. I was mm -hmm. sort of like taken back, like, oh, my God. And I don't know what got in me, but I ran around to the back door. And this is a true story. And I rang the back doorbell. Unbelievable. And obviously the same guy answered. Right. And he had this big, big burly, motorcycle-type of looking guy. Mm -hmm. And real quickly, I just said to him, I'm just curious if the people that live in the back of this house are as mean as the people living in the front of the house. <laughs> he slammed the door again. I'm sure. And that's where your 2 minute and 53 second half mile came in handy, I'm sure. Yeah, I hustled <laughs> right. off. I, I hustled down the street on that one. Right. Um, so so for, the, for, for those young agents, you know, you have to be persistent. There's a fine line between uh, pushy and persistence. I'll be honest with you, I never found that line. They've got to control their business. Don't let the business control them. Mm -hmm. The other secret, the telephone's a two-way machine. You can call out on that device. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't understand. We talk about, in today's industry, everyone talks about social media. I'm not a big social media guy. Mm -hmm. The way I look at it, there's for sale by owners. There's expired listings. I have past customers. I have friends. Why do people list with us? Because they know us, they like us, and they trust us. Mm -hmm. But I have this sphere of past customers, friends, relatives. These for sale by owners expired listing. 
I know they own their house and they want to sell it. So why should I go look under some rocks or in the bushes for a listing? Pick up the phone, make the call. It's the hardest thing we do sometimes. But I'm telling you, it's very rewarding because the more you do it, you're going to become smoother, you're going to become comfortable, you're going to become confident, and you're going to grow, and you're going to like the results. Absolutely. I still call people constantly, um, and I've, I've never had anybody that I know say, please don't call me. I wish you didn't call me. They're always happy to hear from you. Um, and I think that you're right. It's a two-way device. And as the market gets a little more uncertain, the calls are going to be more outgoing than incoming, but that's fine. Focus on what you control as opposed to focusing on what's beyond your control. I like that a lot. Um, I also believe that having an outlet, a, a healthy outlet, is, is important, right? So a lot of people, like young Peter, but a lot of people that we see in the industry today, they just don't have an outlet. They, they work and work and work and work, and then they go home, go to bed, and they get up and they work and work and work. And they wrestle with the stress at night. They lay awake at night. Who did I forget to call? What did I forget to do? And I think having an outlet like running is really helpful, don't you? It, it's been a big part of my life, uh, my adult life, and a big help. Mm -hmm. um, although I have to be honest with you that I, I still get up sometimes at 2 or 3 in the morning and grab my notepad and pen next to the bed and make this note about, oh, forgot <laughs> this, need to do this, here's how I should approach that. But I, I agree, you have to have a life outside real estate to keep to keep that balance. It's so very, very important because it's a challenging business. It, it can be a tough business. It can be a cruel business. Mm -hmm. You know, the, so although I, I, deep down, I love the business, uh, I love the opportunity that I have job freedom and I have unlimited income. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I don't think I'd do it any other way if I had to do it over. Yeah, boy. I mean, what a nice thing to be able to say this far into your career. So let's wrap up with one thing that, that you shared that I think we can all learn from. Um, so here you are, you're sitting in front of me, you're incredibly professional, you have this great career, you've been the you know, president of the board, and one of the things you shared that you did the other day is uh, you had a number of offers on one of your listings. There was one successful offer, as there always is. Uh, so what transpired from there? And I think that what I, I guess to me falls under professionalism. Mm -hmm. In other words, 10 offers on a property. There's only one house to sell. There's going to be nine unhappy people. Mm -hmm. For me, and I always do this, I think the right thing to do, at least in my eyes, is I call those nine other brokers personally. And I let them know that I don't like making this phone call. And so they know what, what's mm -hmm. coming next, that their offer didn't win, shall we say. But I, I share with them, I thank them for their efforts. You know, I thank them for their time. And I also share with them, you know, where they sort of ended up in those 10 offers. You know, you were in third place or sixth place, and here's why. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't reveal terms of a winning offer, but I can say, hey, you were a little light in your price, or maybe you had too many contingencies, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So from my experience, by calling these brokers and telling every one of them every time, say, thank you so much. Because sometimes they say, you know what, we submit an offer, and we get a text, or we get an email that we rejected, or we see it go on MLS with an accepted offer. 
Mm-hmm. So again, it just, it, it doesn't take much time. You can get so much accomplished in a 60 second phone conversation. And to me, it's, it's something I think I need to do that I should do. It's professional. I mean, that other broker took a lot of time to show my listing, prepare an offer and get it to me. Mm-hmm. The least I can do is call her with the unfortunate result and say, thank you. Right. Well, Peter, I think you motivate me personally to be better at everything that I do. I'm sure you're motivating anybody that's listening to this to be better at what they do. At the end of the day, to use a football analogy, because you were a young football player, the game continues to change, but it's always about blocking and tackling, right? It's always about the basics. And, you know, you have a thriving business built on the basics, built on effort, honesty, integrity. You treat your co-brokes like professionals. You give back to the industry. And this was a real treat, a real treat. Thank you. I enjoyed it. So I'd like to give a shout out to Podcast Town Studios, our producer. No sleep for creating the music. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you believe that you or someone you know would be an ideal guest and would talk about not what they've done, but really who they are, why don't you reach out to me? I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. Thank you.